You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Bethel. How y'all doing this morning? I gotta, I gotta start like this. I don't know who's responsible for uh, the squirrel ministry at Bethel, but y'all got some gangster squirrels at Bethel. I was walking from my car into the chapel this morning, and I saw this squirrel hanging out by the front door, and, and that squirrel didn't move. And I kind, I kind of like jumped at it. And the squirrel was like, what's up, fool? I mean, he spoke to me. He started throwing up gang signs, and I'm like, hey, look, I, I, I love Jesus, man. I ain't involved in all that. So whoever's responsible for putting squirrels on academic probation, that squirrel needs to be on academic probation. Get that squirrel out of here, y'all. It's good to be back with y'all this morning as we talk about reset, talk about the church, what God and Christ has planned out and purposed for his people to come together and be in community with one another. So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to plant ourselves there for the next few moments. And as you're turning there, I don't know if you all have heard the story about the man that was stranded on a desert island all by himself, plane crashed, stranded on this isolated island, all by himself for 15 years. So after 15 years, finally, a rescue helicopter made its way out to this island, and as they were hovering above this island, they noticed four buildings that this isolated man had built. So they get down, and they they see the man, and they say, hey, Man, it's it's amazing that you survived on this island for 15 years all by yourself. There's nobody else here. How did you do it? He's like, well, I just, you know, I began to work. And they say, yeah, we see all these buildings that you built. Tell us about the buildings that you constructed. He said, well, the first building that you see, that's my home. I couldn't live out in the elements, so I had to build a a property for myself. They said, what about the second building? They were like, he was like, well, that's that's the church that I built because I, I had to be a part of a church. I'm a Christian. I had to go worship, and so I built a church. And he said, well, what about the third building that you built? And the guy was like, well, I I didn't like the leadership at the first church, so I left that one and went and built the third church. And they said, well, well, what about the fourth building? And he was like, well, I didn't like the people at the third church that I built, so I built that fourth church for myself. Isn't that funny, you all? Like, if you're around anybody for any given period of time, you're going to find flaws. Even within yourself, if you're around community for any given period of time, you're going to find all sorts of reasons as to why you should not invest in that community. And even though that's true, the Bible, the scriptures, Jesus Christ himself doesn't allow us to use that as an excuse to pull out of community. As a matter of fact, it is because of our brokenness. 
It is because of our sinfulness that Jesus Christ constructed this thing called the church, of which, if you love him, you're a part of. So this is where we find ourselves in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let me begin like this, that the church is not a perfect place. But hear me, Bethel, it is a perfecting place. It's not perfect, but man, the church will make you look just a little bit more like Jesus Christ if you invest in community. All the flaws, all the rough edges of people all around you. So we're going to take a moment this morning as we look at 1 Corinthians 13 and just reset. Pause and say, Lord, I have all sorts of ideas and preconceived notions about what the church is and what the church should look like. But Lord Jesus, what do you want me to see in your church? Now, I realize that, you know, it's a little bit of a biased optic here, right? You, you invite a pastor to talk to you about the importance of being a part of a church. I realize you're like, yeah, Stephen, you're a pastor. You have to tell us about the importance of being part of a church. Like one thing naturally leads to the next. It's like inviting a VP or a rep from Taco Bell to talk to you about the importance of toilet paper. Like one thing naturally leads to the other thing. But if we pause for a moment, some of y'all will get that later on when you're, after you eat Taco Bell tonight. You're like, oh, this is what he was talking about. I understand. But if you pause for a moment and see what Christ has in store for you in a community of other broken sinners who are in need of the hope of Jesus Christ, you'll see the beauty and the purpose that he has for our lives collectively. So 1 Corinthians 13 reads like this. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and I give over my body in order to be burned but do not have love, I have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. 
Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's an amazing passage of Scripture, Bethel. And what makes it even more amazing is that it's written in the book of Corinthians. You have to understand about the Corinthian church, this was like reality TV for the first century. Everything that could possibly go wrong in a church went wrong in the Corinthian church. They had all the problems. They had divisions over who their favorite leader or who their favorite pastor is. They, they divided up into groups. They were at war with one another over who their favorite preacher was. I mean, they divided, for you theater fans, they divided into the Jets and the Sharks. For you hood folks, like the Bloods and the Crips. Over who their favorite preacher was. No, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I'm not going to church unless Paul is preaching. I'm not going to church unless Apollos is preaching. And they were divided in these groups. That was the Corinthian church. They had the issue and division over food sacrifice to idols. And what does that mean? Imagine me walking into your dorm room and you have a nice ribeye steak. Apologies to all the vegans in the room. You had a nice ribeye steak, and around this ribeye steak, you built this shrine and candles and all types of incense is taking place. And I walk into your dorm, and you're praying to the sun god, and you're sacrificing this, this ribeye to the sun god. And then you, I walk in, and you're like, hey, Stephen, I want to serve you a meal. And then you take that piece of steak off of the altar, and you bring it to me. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You want me to eat that steak? So all these divisions in the Corinthian church over should we or should we not eat food that has been offered to idols. On top of that, you had a guy in the Corinthian church that was sleeping with his father's wife. That's the Corinthian church. And smack dab, Bethel, smack dab in the middle of all of this, we have arguably one of the greatest passages of Scripture in talking about love. The middle of all this drama and all this division, Paul writes and he says, this is what love looks like. So beautiful is this passage, I can't remember a wedding that I have gone to that has not in some way put 1 Corinthians 13 inside of it. I mean, folks getting married have almost monopolized 1 Corinthians 13. But hear me, 1 Corinthians 13 is not a passage in talking about a husband and wife. 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage in talking about how do broken people live in community with one another. They do that based upon love. I imagine if the Corinthian church had a website they would put 1 Corinthians 13 on the front of that website. And you would read that passage like, oh man, I want to be a part of that church. And then you step foot inside the Corinthian church and they're offering meat to idols and 
People are just walking around just like, however they want to walk around in divisions. And you're like, wait a minute, this is like false advertisement. But beloved, it's not false advertisement. Because whenever you gather a group of people together, beloved, hear me, there is an element of messiness. And the reason why there is an element of messiness is because Jesus Christ is not done with us yet. We are not perfect. And beloved, the church has a perfect Savior. But the day in and day out of living in community, we are not perfect. But being in the community, man, it makes us just a little bit more like Jesus Christ. Love. Why did Paul write this in the middle of all this mess? I submit that this is, this is probably one of the best places that this passage on love can be situated. Because it's in the middle of all this mess that true love shines forth. If love only operated within easy context, how true would that love be? If you were in relationship and a person loved you only when you were at your best, how true would that love be? But no, Bethel, the, the true love that Paul is talking about is exercised in the middle of all kind of sinfulness and brokenness. True love, brothers and sisters, is tested and proven. And it's not tested and proven when we are perfect. It is tested and proven when we have a lot of stuff going on. True love, Bethel, is exercised in the arena and the gathering of other Christians, as Paul writes, in the local church. So what does Paul do in 1 Corinthians 13? Like, what is the answer to a messed up local community of God's people? Does Paul write to the Corinthians and say, listen, I know y'all got a lot of stuff going on. Here's the answer. I want you to pull out of community altogether. It's not what Paul does. Because the answer to a broken community, Bethel, is not a jettisoning of community. The answer to a broken community is not doing away with a community. No, the answer to a broken community, brothers and sisters, is, is true love. This is why Paul writes what he writes. And this is the case with every area of our lives. Like, we don't sacrifice the right thing because we have had a bad experience. We don't sacrifice the right exercising of a thing because we have had a bad experience. If I go to Taco Bell, I don't know why I'm stuck on Taco Bell. I just feel like a chalupa this afternoon for some reason. If I go to Taco Bell and I order a, a nacho cheese chalupa and then I get the bubble guts later on, some of y'all know from experience what the bubble guts are. I'm just seeing how, how they translate bubble guts 
well done, well done. I'm just, I'm just throw some odd words in there just to see how they translate. Like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> well done, well done, well done. If I go to Taco Bell tonight and I get a nacho cheese chalupa and I get the bubble guts, right? I don't then say as a result of that bad food experience, Stephen, tell me why you no longer eat food. Well, because, man, I had a bad experience. And because I had a bad experience at this one location, I am doing away with food from here on out. It's not what the Bible does. The Bible doesn't give us that liberty, brothers and sisters. The Bible calls us not because of a bad experience to, to get rid of all good experiences. The Bible calls us to lean in, as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 13, with the right type of activity. Same is true with, you look at sex in Scripture. There's a bad exercising of this thing, and there's a right one. We don't get rid of it all because of a bad exercising. No, we lean into the right experience. And so Paul does here in 1 Corinthians 13. Now I have to pause on this moment before we dive headfirst into the text. i got to pause for a moment and talk about church hurt. Part of this reset, I imagine, will hit you all in a lot of different ways and a lot of different spaces because a lot of folks in this room have probably dealt at some level, family member have dealt at some level, friend has dealt with at some level, church hurt. What is that? Go to a church. You're mistreated for an extended period of time. Maybe there's a level of, of abuse that's taking place, and now you're in a position where even the mention of the word church just causes your palms to get a little sweaty. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with church ever again because the church hurt me. And hear me, Bethel, I don't want to just gloss over that fact. That is a real thing. Can't tell you how many weeks at Redemption City Church we're sitting with people and we're helping them work through their experience of church hurt. Like, so sorry you had to deal with that. But hear me, brothers and sisters, this is why the, the, the light of 1 Corinthians 13 shines so brightly on a dark backdrop because healing, brothers and sisters, from church hurt comes from the church. We don't jettison all good experiences because we've had a bad one. No, I've sat multiple times in my office, in my living room, and people have said to me, Stephen, I was done with church, but then people started loving me within the community of God's people, and I found hope again in what Jesus Christ is doing within his church. But man, if over the next 10 to 15 years you do away with church because of a bad experience or multiple bad experience, hear me, Bethel. Christ can provide healing for you. 
But as you look through the pages of Scripture, how often does that healing come from other broken people? This is why the light of 1 Corinthians 13 just shines so brightly. This is why Paul can write to a local church and tell him, tell them what he wants to tell them. This is why Jesus Christ himself has so organized a community of people called the church. I mean, who in all of humanity has experienced a greater church hurt than Jesus Christ? He came to his own and his own people didn't accept him. They crucified him, nailed him to a cross put him in a tomb, and on the third day, he got out of that tomb, told his disciples, I'm giving you gifts so that you can serve the local body called the church. It's an amazing thought that Jesus Christ himself would create such an institution called the church where you and I are drawn closer to him. So we get to 1 Corinthians 13. All of what I just said was introduction. So I don't know if y'all got classes at 11, but y'all ain't going to make it. <laughs> if you're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, you'll notice that all of these love words, all of this description is outward facing. Love, Bethel, is easily exercised in a bubble, is it not? I mean, you probably thought you were the most loving person in the entire world until you enter into a relationship with somebody else. Man, I thought, I thought, man, I was the most loving brother on planet Earth. And then I got married. And I'm like, man, I'm trash. Like, I don't know anything about, about love. I thought I was the most loving brother on planet Earth until one of my best friends did me wrong. And then we had to navigate how to be in a friendship again based upon broken trust. So what you'll find in 1 Corinthians 13 is not love exercised in a bubble. It is love that is outward facing. So Paul writes and he says love is patient. And I'm going to just pull out a few words here in 1 Corinthians 13. But Paul says love is patient. And what Paul is talking about, he's not just simply talking about a waiting. Like the, the best you know, exercising of love is just waiting. No, what Paul is talking about, this word patient, brings with it the freight of waiting in the midst of difficulty. Love is a love that waits for other people while you are experiencing difficulties from those other people. It is outward facing. Paul says love is not self-seeking. Love is not selfish. Love is not all about me, me, me. It is outward-facing. Love is naturally, how can I serve you better? I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is what he says. He says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. 
Do you get what he's saying? Like we all have dreams and ideas of what a community should look like. And a lot of times we enter church settings with like, this is what I think, this is what I dream a community should look like. And oftentimes, brothers and sisters, a local church will not meet the expectation of our dreams. And so what do we do? We, we, we pull out because we have a dream of community. But get what Bonhoeffer and, and I would argue scripture is saying. If you want, you want community, the best way to do that is just to love those around you. Like if you want community, the best way to do that is to be the community that you want. Does that make sense? Just simply love those around you. It is not self-seeking. It is not my dream, but brother or sister, how do I love you? How do I come alongside you? Then Paul says this, this type of love, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. That's a scary type of love, isn't it? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, brothers and sisters, as you, as you read the, the scriptures, the arena in which Christ wants to showcase the type of love that he has for you, the arena in which he does that is within the context of a gathering of his people called the church. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Why is that so critical? Well, because that's the type of love that Jesus Christ has for you and I. Christ endures with us. He bears with us. And then Christ says, in turn, in your local community, you do the same thing. This quote by Tim Keller is so profound. He says, and this is what makes all of this so scary. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Like somebody loves you, But you're thinking in the back of your mind, they don't really know me. Superficial. But then to be known and not loved is one of our greatest fears, is it not? Like if they truly knew who I am, they would not love me. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. And I would sort of extend this quote and say that Paul is making the argument is that is the context in which the church should operate. That broken people can come within a community fully out there and be loved by other broken people. I mean, think about it, Bethel. Who doesn't want to be loved like this? All of my mess all of my sin, all of my faults, all of my failures, and yet there is a group of people that still pursues me, runs after me, loves me, picks me up, and comforts me. Who doesn't want to be loved like this? 
I would argue all of us in this room, in the quietness of our own hearts, I would argue all of us, we desire this type of love. But I, I know the problem with that is that we've, we've oftentimes experienced a counterfeit version of this type of love. A love that comes with like a contingency plan. A love that's like, I will love you as long as you do this, this, and this. I will love you as long as you meet this standard. I will love you as long as whatever, fill in the blank. But here is what Paul is arguing for in 1 Corinthians 13, that as we gather as a local community, as we pause and as we reset, can we envision a community in which this type of love exists? An enduring love, a hopeful love, a bearing all things type of love. And hear me, Bethel, the argument that Paul is making is he's like, draw a circle around yourself and be the community that you desire. Don't pull away from a local gathering because they're broken. Because guess what? You're broken too. I'm broken too. But what if in the midst of all of that, There is a love that is not self-seeking. There is a love that endures. There is a love that pursues. There is a love that chases you. Man, Paul can write in the midst of this toe-up church and says, let me teach you how to love one another. If Paul can write that to the Corinthian church, man, we have hope. We have hope. We have hope that, man, the answer is not running away from church. The answer is that our prayers would be filled like, Lord, make every church in Michiana like this. Our answer is, Lord, help me to plug into a church to help them look like this. The answer is, Lord Jesus Christ, you can do anything. Would you turn my church into a church that loves like this? And Lord Jesus Christ, start with me. Start with me. Again, I ask Bethel, who who doesn't want to be loved like this? So you have some options. You have some options. You can pull back, pull away, never invest in a local gathering because it's too scary, it's too fearful. You've been there before, been there, done that. But what if Christ has a greater blessing in store for leaning in investing, being prayerful, watchful, graceful, merciful. And what if, what if, Bethel students, the Lord is going to use you to make your church look a little bit more like Jesus Christ? Because you've committed in your heart, I want to love like this.
the church, it ain't perfect. But it is perfecting. It is making us look a little bit more like Jesus Christ. So lean in, Bethel students. Invest. See Christ in the gathering of your local bodies. And watch what Christ can do through the love of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? That is our prayer, O oh Lord. That you would take us, that you would take broken sinners and allow us to showcase the love of Jesus Christ. That is our prayer, O oh Lord, that you would use others in this beautiful, broken, messed up, oftentimes failing, but hoping in you, this thing you have created called the church. Would you use us, O oh Lord, not from a distance, would you use us, O oh Jesus, as you have done to be incarnational? Would you use us to be in the midst? You are able to do it, and so we ask it. If it will be to your glory, that you will use us in this regard. We pray all these things in the blessed name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And thank you, Pastor Stephen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes Store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.